Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Uh, my name is Chris and I'm so glad to have you join us here at Renewing the Center. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. We're glad to have you with us. Um, we engage the Anglican lectionary in the Book of Common Prayer three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, to give you tracks to run on as you read your Bible. Uh, so I'm so glad to have you here. Um, wherever you access your podcast content, if you would give me a rating and a review, help spread the word. We'd love to get this to more and more people. It's such a joy to be able to serve um, the church in this way. I'm going to read from a lectionary selection from today, uh, Genesis 32. I referenced this recently when we were on the January 29th posting of Genesis 28. Um, This is now Jacob wrestling with God. So the same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray and then let's see what we can see and hear and receive in this beautiful encounter, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Father, I pray that you would help us to see Jacob. More importantly, maybe for our purposes in this podcast, I pray that we would see ourselves in Jacob's story. God, I pray that you would help us to slow down and to listen to you, to look to you, to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So Jacob means trickster, swindler, and like we said in a recent podcast episode, he was always working to get the job done. He was uh, a wheeler and a dealer, a conniver, uh, a swindler even. He cheated his brother out of his own birthright, and his brother wanted to murder him. Jacob spent time on the run. Actually, the first time he really encountered God, he was on the run because his brother was looking to kill him. Jacob was um, a person who experienced a great deal of strain in relationships. But the story that we pick up here is that Jacob, despite being in a broken relationship with Esau, he longs for a restored relationship with his brother. And so he's kind of moving back to him. He's planning to reconnect. And this story picks up our reading today as Jacob is preparing to meet his brother. He's already got a plan in place because Jacob is a guy who's always got a plan in place. He's going to send animals and gifts to his brother in kind of like wave after wave (laughs) to soften his brother up. He has this plan to basically get what he wants, to get back in the good graces of his brother, hoping his brother's not going to try to kill him. And so after he's made all of his preparations, like his whole plan is in place and he's ready to encounter his brother, He sends all of his stuff across the stream, the fort of the Jabbok, the text tells us, and he's left alone. So the picture that we're supposed to to hold here is a man who's always got a plan, 
a man who has looked to possessions and success and significance in order to feel safe and important, he's now put all of that stuff across the stream. He's alone. All the insulating things he's put away from himself in preparation to meet his brother, and now it's just him. He's by himself. He's with himself. He's disconnected from all the things that he might be tempted to confuse as being a part of his identity. And it's a really vulnerable thing to be alone. Maybe Jacob had never really and truly been apart from all of his possessions since he gained them. Since he stole his brother's birthright, he'd accumulated things in order to feel safe and secure, and we're really not terribly different. Oftentimes it's hard for us to even know who we are apart from what we have or what we do or who we know, apart from our families, our jobs, our resources. We're really not terribly different from Jacob in that respect. And so the story tells us that with nothing to insulate himself, with nothing to fall back on, nothing to hold on to, a stranger emerges in the darkness and fights him. And this is truly a remarkable moment in scripture. I mean, in many regards, this is an unrepeatable phenomenon. Like you're not going to have an angel come and wrestle with you in the same way that Jacob did. We're meant to assume that this man is a messenger from God, and he contends with the messenger from God. Jacob's entire life is marked by struggle. He struggles for a blessing. He wrestles with God and ultimately says, I've seen God face to face. He encounters God. And as I think at my own, back at my own life and over the last number of years, I will tell you that it's been during the times where I felt the external insulators stripped away that I've been most available to God. And that's the, that's the crux of the challenge. Because many of us hold on to the insulators. We hold on to busy schedules, to our money, to our reputations, to the kind of frenetic management of controlling outcomes. Whatever it is you hold on to, we hold on to these things so tightly that we begin to confuse our own identity with the things around us, our job, our reputation, who we know, what we know. And somehow, in a moment of vulnerability where Jacob had separated himself from, the, from his stuff, now the irony is he separated himself from his stuff because he had an agenda, but nevertheless, he was left alone. And as I read this scripture today in anticipation and study for this podcast, I was just struck by the symbolic imagery of what it means to put your stuff across the stream and be left just by yourself. I believe that it requires real intentionality for us to intentionally, occasionally separate our identity and our understanding of ourselves from the things we have, the things we know, the things we do, the people we're with. This is why I believe that silence and solitude are so important in the spiritual life, because when I am in solitude, alone with myself and God, all the things that want to define me don't get to define me. My job, when I quit my job for four months a few years ago, all of a sudden my job didn't define me. 
when I go on long walks by myself, my my marriage doesn't define me. My my friendships don't define me. In certain key moments, we can choose to be alone before God, just us. And it's in those moments of solitude, it's in those moments where we intentionally begin to untangle ourselves from all the things that want to contribute to our own understanding of ourselves. It's in those moments that we realize our profound addiction to those things. We crave the cultivated relationship. We crave the significance that comes through that job or that connection, the security that comes through that relationship or that expression of insulating wealth or affluence. Like we crave these things. We're addicted to these things, which is why we must find ourselves in places where we intentionally engage in solitude, where we begin to strip away the layers. When was the last time you followed Jacob into a sense of putting a little bit of space between yourself and all your stuff? And I'm not asking you, I don't think God's asking us to just get rid of all of our stuff for the sake of being alone, for the sake of being alone. I, I think this is sometimes can be engaged as an act of symbolic surrender where we step into places of solitude and ask God to define us apart from what we have, what we know, what we do. And it's in that place that God conquers us. When I take away all the insulators and I'm left vulnerable, because that's really what Jacob was in this moment. He was vulnerable. He was truly vulnerable. And he had spent most of his life pretending and conniving and scheming so as not to be vulnerable. Well, in this moment, he's actually just on his own and he's vulnerable. And it's in that place that God comes and conquers him. And a lot of us don't really have a grid in our theology for God conquering us or wounding us. I mean, the Lord touches the hollow of Jacob's hip and wounds him. And we're, we're told, even at the very end of Jacob's life, we're told that he leaned on a cane, on a staff. He, he limped the rest of his life. He never walked the same. God changed him. He made him vulnerable. And in the moment of wrestling, he was vulnerable. When you get into acute seasons of crisis, you know, existential crisis, faith crisis, relationship crisis, health crisis, you know, we feel really vulnerable in those moments. But not only was Jacob vulnerable in this moment, the acute moment of like God throwing him around, you know, he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. It changed who he was, and that wasn't a bad thing, actually. That was a good thing. It was probably a tangible reminder. Remember when we were looking at Genesis 28, how Jacob had to pick up a rock and pour oil on it? Well, I think his limp was his own memorial. It was his own way of remembering that God had conquered him and remembering that God contended with him. Apart from all of his stuff, Jacob was still worth God coming close to and wrestling with. And I would just say, apart from all your stuff, your job, your health, your relationships, um, your resources, your worth, God coming close to and wrestling with. He wants to get you alone from time to time. So I want to encourage you to find some spaces where you would step into solitude, where you would do your best before God to, in faith, detangle yourself from all those things that would insulate you, that would make you feel less than vulnerable. Life is about, I think growth in life is about learning to 
cultivate and enter into spaces where we are vulnerable and to cultivate an attitude of vulnerability that changes the way we live, where we're actually conquered, not just loved, but conquered by God. May he do that to you. I know he's doing that in my own life right now, and I pray that the pain of it and the fear of it and the uncertainty of it uh, would be met with the grace of God. God wants you to be um, a beloved, conquered child of his. That's what he's come to do. God bless you. See you soon.